Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome to Wicked, Weird, and Grim, your number one podcast for a trip through the history of the odd, haunting, and mystifying. I'm Caroline. And I'm Ara. Together, we're the Grimm Sisters. We have a super spooky topic today that we chose in honor of September being Hispanic Heritage Month. This story has been told in countless ways throughout hundreds of years and has so many different offshoots now that it's kind of hard to truly know what the original story actually was. I feel like that's so often the case with folklore and myths, but as much as it's a hindrance for, you know, folklorists and historians, I also feel like that's just one aspect of folklore's mass appeal and kind of the beauty of it. It changes based on the community, based on the culture, and based on the people to resonate with each one just a little bit differently. Yeah, and despite that drawback for folklorists and historians for ascertaining which is the original tale... It really demonstrates so much for them regarding the morals, social values, stigmas, and warnings these cultures lived by in their daily existence. And it's definitely one of my favorite parts of folklore and mythology because it just gives so much insight. It's so knowledgeable. And the topic we have today gives a lot of insight into female and maternal roles in Hispanic, Amerindian, and Mesoamerican culture. Our topic, if you hadn't already guessed, is the legend of La Llorona. When we say La Llorona, you might think of the recently released horror movie or something similar to that. It's true that the horror industry has really capitalized upon the legend, adapting it again and again and again in movies, TV shows, and whatever else. But today we'll peel back the veil of La Llorona and peer into the origins, historical context, and offshoots of this legendary figure. So sit back with us and get ready to get wicked, weird, and grim. So the core component of this infamous tale really hinges on the name of La Llorona herself. La Llorona in Spanish literally translates to the female crier, the weeping woman, or the wailer. And that's whale as in W-A-I-L, not someone who hunts (laughs) whales. (laughs) That would be horrible. (laughs) The whaler, she just like walks around like with a harpoon in her hand, just like, (laughs) oh, poor whales. Oh my gosh, I love whales. (laughs) Most tales of La Llorona hinge on her being a female apparition who weeps near some body of water, mourning her children whom she typically drowned. She is often depicted with long, wet, black hair and wearing a white dress. And the legend of La Llorona is traditionally told throughout Hispanic America, including Mexico, Central and South America, and the Southwest United States. However, primary sources dating back to the early colonization period of the Spanish indicate that La Llorona lore is actually pre-Hispanic and indigenous in nature. The tale itself is closely tied to the colonial era, however, due to the infamy of the dynamic between Spanish conquistadors and indigenous women. And the most common story of La Llorona depicts her as being a peasant woman who drowned her own children fathered by a wealthy landowner after he abandons her for another woman. There's also this same story, but concerning an indigenous woman and a wealthy Spanish conquistador. Unfortunately, this villainization of indigenous women is nothing new. In the modern era, the story is actually viewed by many gender study critiques as a representation of the Eurocentric patriarchal culture of the Spanish being forced onto the indigenous groups that they conquered. In the same vein, La Llorona is now seen to be an archetype, which is essentially a figurehead or a reoccurring symbol in literature or history. 
and many gender studies academics describe her as being an archetype for the quote-unquote failed or quote-unquote evil mother for her actions of infanticide. But these academics specifically point out that Hispanic social and racial stigmas directly influence this archetype, its precedents, and its legacy. In this instance, the tale of La Llorona is surprisingly familiar in its similarity to that of Doña Marina, La Malinche, or Malintzin. Malinche was the indigenous woman assigned as a translator to the conquistador Hernan Cortez, assisting him in his mission to conquer the Aztecs. She also had a son with Cortez named Martin. So she's an extremely ambiguous figure in both Spanish and Machica accounts of her. And Machica is also another word for Aztec. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, so they're essentially the same cultural entity, but Machica was the actual name for them, and Aztec is the the name. It's like our name for them. Gotcha. So she's an extremely ambiguous figure in both Spanish and Machica accounts. The debate of her class status in her original indigenous community runs wild, as does her status alongside Cortes himself. Was she a highly educated translator who navigated politics as well as war, or a beloved indigenous princess that acted as a bridge between two peoples, or perhaps she was a resented traitorous concubine? In reality, she likely lied somewhere in the middle of all of this, and we should also keep in mind the extreme lack of consent in colonizing practices in Malinche's own simple goal, which was to stay alive and to stay useful to the Spanish. Yeah, the history nerd in me has to say here that Hernan Cortez was, he was awful. Mm-hmm. He was brutal. I mean, all the conquistadors were, but he he's just really known for how he treated the Aztecs. I mean, it was really, really, like, abhorrent. It was horrifying. Yeah. yeah. All the conquistadors, they were acting on God's will, but in the so way that they acted, it was yeah. not godly or christian-like at all i feel like that's such a thing that runs through history is these people being like oh yes i'm doing this for god for like whatever religion Mm -hmm. but especially i feel like for christianity unfortunately they're like i'm doing this for god and anybody who actually reads the bible is like are you though (laughs) are you sure about that did you read that part where (laughs) jesus was like you know be kind and generous and you know love love each other and Mm. you know pluck out your eyes and yeah (laughs) Looking at someone inappropriately. Right. (sighs) Again, it's just a a matter of picking and choosing. For real. Yeah. In relation to this, Malinche is viewed as a very dualistic and polarizing archetype for the Mexican people. Some see her as a mother of Mexico and the Mexican people, while others view her as a traitor that further allowed the Spanish to dig their claws into the Mesoamerican people. The word Malinche is still used to this day to describe a traitor. As for her relation to the La Llorona legend, there are actually no source documents that state her son Martin, nor her younger daughter Maria, who was fathered by another Spanish conquistador, died by Malinche's hand. In fact, they both lived relatively long and healthy lives. Mm -hmm. They did, however, grow up away from their mother, Martin with Cortez in Spain, and Maria raised by her father and his new wife after Malinche's death. Despite all of this, there was a rumor whispered by the same Aztecs that branded Malinche a traitor, a rumor that said that upon hearing that Cortez was planning to sail back to Spain without her and take six-year-old Martin with him, Malinche killed her only son in order to keep him with her. And then she killed herself in the lake that Mexico City sits upon. And, you know, there's no truth to this tale at all. But the rumor is likely what catalyzed the legend of La Llorona that we know today. And 
it's also the reason why the legend has such strong ties to the haunting dynamic between the Spanish conquistador and, you know, the Mesoamerican indigenous woman. Therefore, Malinche's story over half a millennia later continues to influence the legend of the weeping woman, especially when comparing the murders of millions of indigenous children, for which Malinche is often blamed, to La Llorona's infanticide, cursed to wander the earth and her endless haunting search for more children. However, there are literally hundreds of different archetypal figures that the legend of La Llorona could have truly stemmed from. For example, some historians and folklorists believe she may stem from the Aztec and goddess Siwakuatl. She's also known as the Serpent Woman, a goddess of motherhood, midwives, and fertility. This fearsome goddess was also the ruler of the Siwatatayo, the deified spirits of women who died in childbirth. The Siwatatayo haunt crossroads seeking victims, seducing men, and stealing children, all while driving their victims insane. Which, same. <laughs> <laughs> Siwakoatl is actually one of the aspects of Coatlicue, Aztec and goddess of motherhood and the gods. There is also Tonatzin, Tosi, the crone or grandmother form of Siwakoatl. The indigenous Chumash tribe of Southern California also believe some version of the La Llorona myth, mentioning her when they describe the Nunashush or otherworldly creatures. And let's just give Caroline a round of applause for that one because that entire paragraph was a tongue twister. <laughs> Y'all like, don't even know that was hard. That was hard. Like, I've it's never like done something harder in, in my life. A long time. <laughs> it's definitely it's, yeah, it's something. <laughs> the last one is hard because the Chumash tribe. There's not a lot on their like. I can't just look up pronunciation. Oh yeah. So I had to go deep into one of their grammar books and try to figure it out so i hope that i've done it correctly yeah but it's close to another indigenous language i've studied so i'm hoping i did it right but you're so smart (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not you just love this stuff that's that's the whole thing you know i'm just obsessed obsessed all right more judeo-christian and abrahamic beliefs liken la Llorona to eve as the first mother of the world or Lilith as the mother of demons. And Greek mythology has the tale of Lamia, who, after an affair with Zeus, was forced to devour her own children by Zeus's wife, Hera. This act destroyed her mind, and she transformed into a beast, cursed to spend eternity seeking out more children to abate her appetite, to no avail. This is used as a tale to scare children into obedience, much like how, in Spanish and Portuguese-speaking countries, there are tales of the Kakoi, who are monsters that come to the house of disobedient children and make them disappear. (laughs) The common themes in many of these tales are depicting mothers as monstrous, the ability to both give life and take it away being highly feared in such a heteropatriarchal culture. Women are seen as a liability in the household to their own familial structure, something capable of subverting the patriarchy. Similarly, the pathologization of women's suffering has become a tangible thing, their madness, wailing terror, and sadness characterizing La Llorona perfectly. And that's really why it's extremely important to understand the differences between the colonial and then the post-colonial versions of the La Llorona tale, specifically in reference to La Malinche herself. And the colonial version still has its racial prejudice intact. It situates Malinche as Cortez's mistress, who is scared that the mestizo child of her and Cortez that is taken to Spain will eventually come back and commit genocide on his own people. And the post-colonial version actually has racial prejudice written out. 
it depicts Malinche or whatever female counterpart she has simply as being quote unquote hysterical and killing their children because of a sexual or emotional betrayal by their husband or Cortez. In modern culture, Chicana feminists have rescued La Malinche and La Llorona from her depiction as a traitor to that of a feminist warrior. Instead of a crier, she is depicted as a gritona, a hollerer. This is a call to arms in Mexican culture, as is the fact that she is haunting colonizers for having murdered and displaced her quote-unquote children or indigenous people. That so, is cool. Yeah. I love I, that. I think it's really awesome. That. Yeah. And just reading so much of the Chicana feminist work, there's so many amazing poems and theatrical works and all of these things that reimagine her and La Malinche really as these amazingly badass women, which I think personally is closer to the truth anyways. But I feel like this whole idea of depicting them as like horrific or evil mothers is something that, as we said before, Mm -hmm. is used to usurp them and ignore the fact that they had all these horrific things happen to them yeah and again we're not saying we're not excusing their actions if they had actions which we know la malinche did not (laughs) but um we are contextualizing the situation yeah yeah and i mean you know to be honest in a situation like that where somebody like hernan cortez is coming into your village and murdering everybody Mm -hmm. and and you know just horrible 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 things happening while I think it would still be wrong of a woman to kill her children, I can understand how the psychology of that trauma would convince you that maybe they were better off dead. Yeah. You know, and that you might be better off dead and that you should all just die together rather than be killed by these horrific monsters. We'll kind of talk about something later that is seen in the same vein about like a woman who is in an abusive relationship essentially oh, and how she takes a similar angle to it. But yeah, the idea of being able to save your children through death is something yeah. that while horrifying, yeah. makes sense for some of the traumas that these women suffered. Right. And, right. you know, we can't even contextualize or even really understand the traumas that they did suffer. Yep. It's definitely one of those things where you have to think about what could have happened, but yeah. So, similarly, the fact that in a lot of these tales, the La Llorona figure finds her husband or significant other with another younger, more beautiful woman really pits women against each other. And, you know, a rivalry is essentially created around women's space and the patriarchy. The older woman becomes this sort of fearful, obsessive woman. And, you know, she's therefore disturbing the patriarchal family's life. And this is kind of, you know... A metaphorical idea of La Llorona. She's interceding on this space, bothering the, the husband and their new young woman or whatever. Right. And it's more often represented in, you know, fairy tales as the hag, evil witch, mm-hmm. evil stepmother. Yeah, I was about to say, it reminds me of the evil stepmother. Yeah, you know, like Hansel yeah. and Gretel, Snow White, oh, yeah, this kind sure. of thing. You All have this dynamic between young and old Mm -hmm. and it's been that way for centuries generations since the beginning of time and it will probably continue to be that way (laughs) to kind of quote freud it's definitely one of those sexual imbalance or something like like women are always meant to see each other as competitors oh yeah 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 which i don't think is true no freud's an idiot yeah (laughs) freud's an idiot that had a kink and then shoved it onto other people because he psychologically didn't want to deal with it but (laughs) that's just my two cents (laughs) 
So the legend of La Llorona is, as we said, extremely ambiguous, complicated, and varied. It stretches across cultures, centuries, and communities. It's managed to haunt the minds of children and adults alike, and it's sprung from the history books as its own kind of ghostly specter. The fact that La Llorona has transcended Amerindian, Latinx, and Hispanic culture to become a part of everyday life for so many is perhaps one of the truly haunting aspects that we kind of cover in this tale. For women in white haunting the side of highways to the ring, a children's tale warning of misbehavior, wandering off, or straying near water has infected modern culture. Most of you probably already know of The Curse of La Llorona movie that was released in 2019. Similarly, the 2017 Disney film Coco featured the Mexican folk song La Llorona that has been around for so long, no one even really knows when it was written. And it's a total bop. I, I scream that song. thing at the top of my lungs. <laughs> like, I feel like that should be our song for this episode. Just I have actually never seen Coco. I've heard some of the music from it. Yeah. I think I've heard that song. It's so good. I it's like all the music movie. that's in it. Donna Definitely. and I cry every time we watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really awesome. And it's based on the Mexican folklore of Dia de los Muertos, yes! which is Day of the Dead. Which is such a lovely tradition, mm-hmm. and it's something that if you guys are able to ever go to a celebration, I highly encourage it. It's so beautiful, so colorful, it has so much meaning. Uh, of course, be respectful because it is celebrating passed on ancestors, right. loved ones. They clean but, graves, right? Like, mm-hmm. isn't that they clean the thing? graves yeah. at our church? They have mm-hmm. an altar, and they'll set up pictures of lost loved ones, and they will put the flower oh. of the Day of the Dead. They'll put out beer. They'll put out their favorite food, their favorite pastries, that kind of thing. So. You know, it's like a happy wake is yeah. essentially what it is. Yeah. And I just love it so much because I feel like in modern culture, we think of death as this horrific thing to be mourned, but it's also, you have to celebrate it because they without death, life. there wouldn't be any life. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah, it's really yeah. amazing. I was just thinking about how, you know, going and like putting flowers on graves is such a sweet, sweet thing to do for the people that you love mm-hmm. when they're gone. I think so too. Yeah. I... More recently, I've been intrigued by the idea of just going to cemeteries and cleaning graves. Yeah. And just, like, Do you follow helping. the TikToker? Yes, that's exactly that? what I'm thinking yeah. about. Yeah. Because I honestly, I find graveyards really peaceful. I do, too. I and like my mom and I, mm-hmm. like, ever since I was little, we've always walked in graveyards together. We go to a city, we walk in a graveyard. Yeah. It's just something that we do. And a lot of people think it's macabre or something like that, but... There's just some type of peaceful silence in yeah. graveyards that, I, that I've that i come to realize and enjoy. Coming from, you know, a family where my mother and my grandparents are very supernaturally inclined. <laughs> like, they've seen <laughs> a lot of ghosts and have stuff. Yeah. Coming from a family like that and then not necessarily having experienced that myself, I'm yeah. like great i don't have to Let's deal with go. any of that and i can just deal with the nice peaceful parts of, yeah, the, cemetery. The, part of the cemetery <laughs> yeah it's just really nice and i really think it's something to be said when people take care of the places that people that we love or people even that we don't know have passed before us because there's always a grave that needs sprucing up a grave that needs visited and even if like you don't necessarily believe that you know spirits or energy or whatever lingers on just like the idea of it is nice and yeah. i feel like psychologically it's good for you as well because yeah. it's like it's just a, a act of kindness so when we were in new england we were driving around the like concord and lexington like battlefields area mm-hmm. and we didn't know when we got up there that this area is also where all of the transcendentalist writers lived mm-hmm. so like like thoreau emerson yeah. yes all of them 
<laughs> I was like, American writers, who are they? <laughs> no, 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 an no, American writer. But yeah, anyway, that, that's also the area that they lived. And it's an absolutely beautiful area. I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah, but we got to go to the cemetery where they are all buried. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're all friends. Louisa May Alcott is buried there, too, because she was also friends with them. Her house is gorgeous. It is. I want to live in it. Yeah, um, that's our second house to yes, buy. Yes, but After the Salem Witch House. <laughs> yes. All of the houses in Massachusetts. All the old houses. <laughs> We're not picky. We'll take them no, all. just all of them. <laughs> but yeah, so we got to go to that cemetery, and it was so beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. it was just one of the most beautiful cemeteries I think I've ever walked through, mm-hmm. and... It was very, like, you know, well-maintained and everything, probably because these very famous people are buried there. But whenever you get to the writers' graves, you know, fans of their work have left pens, writing pens, pencils, stones. Somebody left an American flag, which I don't really know why they did that for some of it. But, I mean, you know, it was a sign of respect. Coins, just like anything that is sort of um, a sign of respect to the dead Mm -hmm. in any culture or you know, is just sort of representing who they were as a person. Yeah. And I just think that's so cool. I mean, the graves were, like, covered in them. Covered. That's I, so cool. I am positive that somebody has to clean them out every year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably every month. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot. And it's just really, really cool. Yeah. I wonder what they do with all of that. I don't know. I hope they don't throw it away. I know. I also feel like though some of it might not really, it might not really matter if they don't clean it up because it was a lot of stuff like pencils, you know, that would degrade or like pennies um, or, you know, little like small rocks and stuff, which like that obviously isn't going to hurt anything if you don't clean it up. Yeah. It would be cool if they took the money and donated it to like the literary society or something like that. Yeah. Because I would imagine over- Or to like back towards Bruce. Over a year, it would be like, you know, probably a good amount of money. Yeah. Free donations. Yeah. Or I guess donations are naturally free. Or are they? At Super PACs. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Back to the episode. (laughs) Yes. Dia de los Muertos. Really cool. (laughs) There's even an annual waterfront theatrical performance in Mexico City of La Llorona's legend entitled La Coatl Leyenda de la Llorona. It coincides with the Dia de los Muertos Day of the Dead holiday in a huge festival and has been performed since 1993. Even more wicked, weird, and grim, La Llorona has popped up in true crime. In 1986, there is a woman named Juana Lieja from Texas who, while suffering an abusive relationship with her husband, tried to drown six of her seven children in the Buffalo Bayou outside of Houston. Two of her children actually died in this attack. When later asked why she would commit such an atrocious crime, she said it was because she was La Llorona herself. While it's easy to think of this tale as merely folklore, we actually have stories to read from some individuals who shared their first-hand accounts with us. And these are some crazy stories, you guys, so please buckle up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, grab your holy water, grab your crucifix, uh, grab your mom. <laughs> My mom's not here right now. Mom, can you come pick me up? I'm scared. <laughs> Okay, this is our first story. Quote, So this is one of the many stories my mother has passed down to my siblings and I when we were very young. I'm going to say I was about 9 to 10 years old, and they took place in Central America, in El Salvador to be precise. One day, my grandma was supposed to meet up with a friend to go to another friend's wake. Back then, people would stay all night mourning at the wake with the deceased. My grandma was waiting for her friend where they had agreed to meet, which happened to be near a little river or creek. She sees this woman from far away, all in white, and my grandma says it looks just like her friend. Her friend's name was Mary, and actually the name in Spanish is Maria, 
And it's funny because in a lot of the stories of La Llorona, the name of La Llorona herself, her name is Maria. So I was like, that's a funny little twist on the story. Anyways. So she starts following this woman, calling out for her, thinking it's her friend. She followed her by the river and then kept calling out for her, but received no answer. This is where it starts getting creepy. The woman in white was going towards these trees, farther and farther away, when my grandmother finally started catching up. But as my grandmother was getting closer and closer to the woman, my abuela started to feel like her shoulders were too big, her head felt too big, and she couldn't move anymore. She was close enough now to see the woman's face that was covered by a veil, and she said the woman's face was a skull. Grandma somehow came out of her shock and ran from the woman as fast as she could. She said she felt as if she was running slow and wasn't getting away fast enough. She states it was La Llorona or the Weeping Woman because she was walking by the river. These stories have always given me chills, but have always been fascinating to me. End quote. All right, so this next story. Quote, One night, just like any other night, I was in the trailer with my mom and dad where we lived. I fell asleep watching TV on the sofa in my living room and woke up randomly. The time was 4 a.m., illuminated from the stove in the kitchen. The television was off, and I swore I had left a light on as usual, but it was pitch black. I realized what had woken me up was a horrible screaming that was in the distance, near a ditch that was a few feet away from my home. I heard it and I thought I was hearing things. I asked myself, am I dreaming? Then I started to hear the animals outside howling and whimpering, cats and dogs mainly. As the screaming got closer, the animals continued to cry louder. The screaming was something I have never experienced before. It sounded like I was in a big hallway and a woman was screaming her guts out down that hallway. Then, in all the screaming, I started to make out words. These words, said by whoever this woman was at 4 a.m., screaming their guts out, shocked me. I miss hijos. Oh, my children. In a huge panic, I did what any other 11-year-old boy would do. I ran to my mom and dad's room. I reached for my mom and shook her awake wildly. She woke up slowly, and to my amazement, the screaming faded away as she awakened. I asked my mother, Mom, do you hear that screaming and crying lady? My mom was half asleep and she said, go back to sleep. It's most likely just your imagination. I told her, no, this is real. Please listen. Don't you hear her? My mom quickly just said, you were dreaming, so go back to sleep. It's going to be okay. By then the screaming had long faded away like whoever was screaming knew that an adult was awake. My aunt and cousin had a similar encounter. They were both sleeping when suddenly there was a horrible sound coming from the ditch located in front of their house across the street. It was about 2.30 a.m. when my aunt was awakened by a screaming woman coming from the ditch. She figured maybe somebody was being hurt or attacked. She walked out to the front yard, looking towards the ditch, and saw there was no woman. My cousin walked out the front as well, asking what was going on. My aunt, of course, had no idea as the screaming grew closer. Then they saw her, a woman in a white dress. The only thing that shook them to the bone was the woman had no feet and was clearly floating. One other feature that threw them off was that this woman had no face. So creepy. I know. They both just turned and ran inside their house. My aunt locked the door and called the police. The police showed up minutes later and took their claim seriously. El Paso Police Department looking at the area where this woman was seen and heard screaming. The police soon returned and said that there was no evidence that a woman was there. They looked at the area where the woman was seen walking and not even footprints were found. One of the police officers even asked if maybe my aunt was dreaming everything that had happened. The next day is when I went over to visit and I saw my cousin like I have never seen her before. She had black bags under her eyes and she hasn't slept since the incident. I asked her what happened and she said she saw what my aunt saw. The screaming woman with no feet and no face. 
It took her a while to sleep normally again. She never heard or saw La Llorona again, but to this day, she won't deny that she witnessed something that she can't explain. Which my first thought is they're like, we didn't find any footprints. And I'm like, did you tell them that she didn't have any feet? I know! Like, did you tell them she was floating? You didn't see feet, so why would there? Why would you think there'd be? But apparently, but, yeah. I actually looked up things related to La Llorona and the police departments in the southwestern U.S. And apparently, the police departments get regular calls to certain areas that are the same reoccurring things, like a woman is screaming, oh, weird. she's in white, she's floating above the ground, she doesn't have feet. It's like around you know two to four a.m. that kind of thing. Yeah, I wonder if. There's a connection there between ghost passengers, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, like, there's Lydia's Bridge in Raleigh, which yeah. is the story of this girl who supposedly is killed in this car accident decades ago, and supposedly now people often see her ghost hitchhiking. They try to pick her up because she looks really distressed and she's wearing all white. Mm-hmm. And then once she gets in the car, she disappears. And, of course, this type of legend is, like, super common. Mm-hmm. There's It's all over the world. The woman in white. Yeah, that's really super common. What it comes down to yeah, and just the fact that like the police are getting these calls of this screaming woman. Mm-hmm. I understand like culturally why somebody might say, "Oh, it's like Yorona," mm-hmm. but in, like in our culture, right? We would probably just think, "Oh, it's the girl killed in the car accident." Yeah, the and so I wonder yet. if maybe whatever the phenomenon is, it's the same thing. I would say so. I would say it's it's very similar. The woman in white and La Yorona. I would only mm-hmm. say that. The woman in white isn't necessarily associated with bodies of water. Like, I feel That's like she's true. more associated roads. with roads. Yeah. And, like, hitchhiking and things. And plus, I don't think the woman in white screams or cries. No, yeah, she doesn't. La Llorona does. Sometimes I think she seems distressed. But yeah. Yeah, so maybe, I don't know. It's very, no, it's very interesting. Yeah. That's... But it also does, to me, suggest, like, first of all, a lot of really deadly car accidents do happen in the middle of the night. Yeah. And... All of these people were saying, like, it was coming from a ditch. Yeah. Right? In this story. Well, that's another thing. I had never heard about this ditch thing. Yeah. But Apparently then a, a lot thing. of these stories that people have told us about or like, have talked about, there's a relation to ditches. There's women who don't have feet, which is surprisingly reoccurring in all of these stories. Yeah. But I guess also common in ghost stories, right? I don't know. I've never heard anything like I mean, I've heard floating above the yeah. ground, but I haven't heard that they don't have feet while they're floating, yeah. you know? Unless it's just not, like, a full apparition. Maybe. Yeah, that could be it. Although, like, why would you apparate the whole rest of your body and, and then you're just your like, feet? my feet. I'm an opposite <laughs> of a foot fetish. I don't want feet. I don't want my I don't, feet fetish. I don't want to see your feet and I don't even want to have feet. <sighs> This story is also not the only one that specifically mentions 2.30 a.m., which I think is weird because typically I would think 3 a.m. Because the witching hour. Yeah. yeah. But 12 o'clock is actually the original witching hour, I think, and 3 was just called that for some reason. Which is weird. But 2.30 a.m., like, that's such a a random time. Yeah. Yeah. Or 4 a.m. It's like those two things keep repeating. So it's definitely really weird. And also the fact that as soon as an adult woke up, the screaming started to fade. Yeah. But then it wasn't the same with the aunt and the cousin. Right. You know? <sighs> but also, I always think of the stories of people who say that their house is haunted. They always say that their kids can see things that they yeah. can't see. So it could just be that kids are more susceptible. Yeah. Well, it's essentially the idea that when you're a younger child, your brain is more open to more stimuli because yeah. you haven't learned what to filter out and what to keep. Yeah. And so there's actually a whole scientific theory about paranormal and witchcraft related things that mm-hmm. say that you really have to retrain your brain to be more open to that stimuli and more susceptible to it again. Because yeah. 
after the age of seven or eight, your brain starts to, for lack of a better word, cement itself into what you are exposed to and what you need to live every day. Right. So, you know, it's interesting because not every little kid is like this. I know for me, I was never a kid who, I mean, I believed in like Santa Claus, right? But I didn't believe in monsters. I didn't believe in witches. I didn't believe in ghosts. I wasn't a kid who... But were you exposed to that stuff? I was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just the same way I think most kids are, you know? Mm -hmm. But... I think that maybe my parents just always were, like, they didn't want me to be afraid of those things because they didn't believe in them. So they were very like, well, that's not real. It's just a movie. Mm -hmm. And I was very, like, willing to accept that for most of the time. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there were other kids, I'm sure, who were, like, you know, screaming and crying in the night. There's a monster under my bed. And I wasn't really like that for most of my childhood. I don't think I was really like that either. Mm -hmm. But ever, from a very young age, I've always had horrific nightmares. Oh, my gosh. And they've just kind of gotten worse as I've grown older and, like, learned more things, I guess. Night terror, sleepwalking. I've always had issues with sleep, which is annoying because I really like to sleep. Sleep is amazing. (laughs) You know, when it's not scary. Yeah, I kind of, I feel the same, though. I, I believed in the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus... Although I did believe in the good folk, like the fae. Yeah. Which I think is a little bit different. And I've always believed in ghosts and stuff because my grandpa has been telling me stories and stuff like that from a very young age. But as far as like thinking of there was a monster under my bed, I don't think I've ever... Right. Like there wasn't a monster under my bed. There wasn't one in the closet. I didn't have imaginary friends really. No, I didn't either. I'm sure there are other things though that were like really irrational things that I believed in as a kid that... I mean, I still believe in mermaids, and I will stand by that on my dying breath. (laughs) This is the second or third time we've mentioned mermaids. They deserve to be mentioned every time. I completely agree. Mermaids are the best. I love mermaids. If I could pick, like, something sort of, like, cryptozoological, right, that I don't think exists, that should exist, it would be mermaids. You said that exact same thing in our... Did I? You were talking about Bigfoot. You said... Exactly. You were like, (laughs) if I could pick something that I... No, doesn't exist, but that I want to. It would be mermaids. <laughs> and then I was, and then I got offended, and I was like, they Caroline, do they do exist. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay, next story. <gasps> okay, okay. Quote: My mother's family is Hispanic, and we have wonderful family reunions every summer. One of these times, my cousin made a lovely trivia game that had several questions about my grandmother and her siblings. It was all super fun, and I enjoyed learning things about my great aunts and uncles. But one of the questions struck me as odd. Quote, when she was young, she had a pet chicken that would speak to her, end okay. quote. I thought that was a little strange, but the game went on. My mother happened to be the one to answer that question, so I asked her about it later in the day. My mother told me that my great aunt did indeed have a chicken and that she would speak to it and it would speak to her. I laughed a bit about it, but I could tell that my mom was serious. My grandmother was sitting nearby and chimed in. She told me that my great aunt had always been very sensitive to certain things. My grandmother never doubted that my aunt was talking to the chicken, but she was unsure of who was talking back to my aunt. At this point, I was very intrigued and had a small case of the heebie-jeebies. Yep. Then my grandmother told me a story that made my blood run cold in the middle of an outdoor July picnic. She asked me if I knew the legend of La Llorona. It was unfamiliar to me, so a tale was told. There is a legend of a weeping woman called La Llorona. The legend tells of a beautiful woman named Maria who married the most handsome man and had his children. Her husband lost interest in Maria and would only visit to see his children. One day, in a jealous rage, Maria pushed her children into the river where they were swept away and drowned. Regretting her action, she dove in after them, but only drowned herself. Maria wandered the earth after death in search of her children. This legend was often used as a cautionary tale to warn children not to stay out at night or to play near water alone. La Llorona will therefore take them away. 
I love the tale, but I wasn't quite sure what it had to do with the chicken. My grandmother stated that sometimes when you attract spirits, you're born with the ability to perceive them. I was still perplexed, but she went on with the story. She said that when they were children, they lived near water. My aunt who spoke to the chicken was only an infant. My great-grandmother had laid my aunt in her crib, which happened to be near a window that faced the water. After a little while, my aunt began to cry. My great-grandmother walked into the nursery and froze. A black figure was reaching through the window and reaching for my aunt. My great-grandmother, being a devout Catholic, began invoking the name of Christ. The figure recoiled from my aunt and out of the window. My great-grandmother watched the entity walk along the wall and then recede back Ew. into the water. La Llorona had tried to take my aunt, end quote. Ew. I know. This was the weirdest story to me. I was like, we went from a chicken to a really disturbing tale. <laughs> this woman was like, ay, pollo. <laughs> and then at the end of it, she was like, el nombre del padre. <laughs> oh, I don't like it. This one was interesting for me, though, because this one was dressed in black. Yeah. Which not white. usually La Llorona is in white. Yeah. So I wonder if it was actually a different entity. But also, it kind of says a black figure, not like that she was dressed in black. That's so true. So it could have literally just been like a creepy shadow person thing. That's true. Which is even creepier than La Llorona. Yeah. Shadow people freak me out. Me too. If I ever see a shadow person, that will be the end of my life. Okay. I will but literally die on sight. A tip, though. If you see a shadow person, the thing that you're supposed to do is instead of feeling fear or whatever like that, you're supposed to feel as much love as possible. Oh. So someone literally said, I don't remember. I think it was on TikTok. They were like, you should literally just try to hug them. Go up to them and be like, <laughs> I love you so much and try to hug I them. I want this to be a book in which the shadow person <laughs> and the girl fall in love, obviously. I don't know if when I see a shadow person, my first instinct is going to be, I love you. Let's hug. But yeah. it honestly does seem like the best way to get rid of them. Because, yeah, like, what be are like, they going to do? Let's make out, yo. Like, what's what are up? they going to do? Yeah. What are they going to do? <laughs> no. They're push you away? Like, Wait. This they is... can't push you away. They're a they're shadow. a figure. What yeah. are they going to do? They sap don't... your soul? They can't sap my soul. I'm trying to hug you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but watch me. I'll see a shadow person in my room tonight, and I'll just be like... <laughs> I love you. I love you. And then I'll like pass out. Your scared voice is as good as my Jeff the Talking Mongoose voice. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even be able to talk when I, like yeah, I said, I, I, I freeze. Like, so my voice literally, no. like, it won't work, which is the worst thing because, yeah. like, you know, when you wake up from a nightmare or something mm-hmm. and you want to call for your parents, but like, you can't you talk. Can't. Yes. Ugh, I hate like, it. Like, I've always had this thing where, as y'all know, I'm the skeptical one here, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm the non-believer. <laughs> and the thing is that... So the shadow person will show up in your room. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, here's the thing. Despite that I've always kind of been that way, like, I've never believed in ghosts or anything and stuff like... Like, I've always wanted to believe in these things, but I've just never had, like, evidence for myself to yeah. have that belief, right? But my entire life, like... Probably from the time I got interested in ghosts when I was, like, maybe 12 years old to now. (laughs) It's way less now, but definitely when I was, like, 12, 13, 14, 15. Mm -hmm. I'd be laying in my bed, and I would be, like, you know, rolled over on my, like, left side, right? Yeah. And I would just be convinced that I could not roll back over because there would be, like, some big shadow person standing there. (laughs) I also, I sometimes get that. I still get that feeling. To this day, like, it's not very frequent anymore. It used to be, like, every night. (laughs) But... I was just always just like, oh my gosh, tonight's the night. There's going to be a ghost, isn't there? There's going to be a ghost. It's going to happen. I used to feel that <laughs> way 
But, like, cleansing my space really puts me in a good mindset. And then I also have, like, a crap ton of stuff in my room for, like, protection. Yeah. Uh, At the same time, if it gets bad, I'll just be like, you don't want to mess with the people on my side. You don't want (laughs) to mess with them. You don't want to mess with them. um, My sage that... I bought the wrong kind of, but I have my sage. <laughs> it's like in my dresser, so I feel like if a ghost appears, I'm just going to be like, <laughs> don't come close to me. <laughs> you'll just like, you'll take it. Just like take a- it and like throw it at him. <laughs> You're like, dodgeball. <laughs> no, you said it as like a knife or something. Yeah. You just be like, Ugh, stabs him with the stab sage. Stab him with the sage. Like, yeah. I actually don't burn my sage. I use it to stab, stab the ghosts. ghosts that are near me. Yes. And then I get haunted by like Native Americans because I used white sage. Yes. And I wasn't supposed to. And I didn't even know that's what I bought. <laughs> to be fair, I feel like you'd be less likely to get haunted than the people who buy it already on, knowing that yeah on purpose yeah 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 and everyone's different on that whole thing some people yeah. are like it's fine they've had people tell them if you buy from a native person it's fine right. and if it's native sanctioned if it's grown ethically it's fine yeah i just i abide by the whole don't mess with it yeah with everything with the paranormal I mean, with ouija boards with me, like you know it's just like a respect thing yeah you know it's just like if they say that it's sacred to their culture i don't want to take advantage of that yeah. just because i can that's same you know, here if it's something that might be appropriating another culture, I'm just like, eh, don't nah, mess with it. I don't need to do that. I have a exactly. lot of other things I can do. <laughs> exactly. Now that we have had 5,000 more tangents. <laughs> all right. Next story. Get another creepy story for you. It was during the summer when my family decided that we should all... Oh, this one's scary. Sorry. Is it? Sorry. I just interrupted you. I get to read scary one. Okay. It was during the summer when my family decided that we should all take a trip to Mexico to visit family. I was about to join the Marine Corps, so my mother wanted me to go see my family just in case something bad were to happen. That's reassuring. (laughs) I know. Thanks, Mom. At the time, I was with my pregnant girlfriend, who would later become my wife, and then (laughs) ex-wife. Sorry, that was just such a progression. I know, right? He's about to join the Marines. He's with his pregnant girlfriend. He marries his pregnant girlfriend, and then she is his ex-wife. <laughs> it's like uh, just a, so much change in life right there. Like, whoa. That escalated dramatically. Yeah, it did. Since she was pregnant, I didn't want to leave her alone, so I bought her a ticket so she could come with us as well. Her being Caucasian with blonde hair and hazel eyes made everyone around my grandma's house curious, and a lot of our extended family came by to see the beautiful American girl. After greeting everyone, we all started to talk about what had been going on since we had left. My girlfriend was sitting next to me, having me translate parts of the conversation. One of my aunts, who knew I was into the paranormal, brought up the subject of La Llorona, a.k.a. the Wailing Woman. My mom quickly told my aunt to shut up since she knew that it would get me both interested and scared regarding it. (laughs) But I was able to push my aunt to keep on going. I mean, I was going to be a Marine after all, and I couldn't let a silly myth scare me. She proceeded to tell us about how whenever she would sleep over at my grandma's house, which we were currently at, if she stayed up late enough, she would be able to hear her wails, the wails of La Llorona. My mom rolled her eyes and jokingly pushed my aunt. That seemed to be the end of it. Seeing how serious everyone had gotten for a brief moment, my girlfriend nudged me and asked what we were talking about. I told her the myth of the wailing woman about how she drowned her children in a river and was destined to walk along all the rivers of Mexico looking for her dead children. She, of course, laughed, not really buying any of my paranormal stories. That night, my parents decided that my girlfriend and I should stay at our old house where I had grown up since we were both adults and needed our own space. The house was currently being worked on, so the bedrooms had no doors or working lights. 
okay. That the sounds like a bad idea it already. Really does. <laughs> the only doors the house had were the ones that led into the outside. They were fairly new, but they were your standard metal flimsy doors that a kick or punch could make it rattle throughout the house. Inside, we had to use a candle and a flashlight for our light source. I remember we even used a bed sheet as a temporary door to give our room a little bit more privacy, even though it was only the two of us in the house. As the night went on, my girlfriend and I stayed up talking and eventually we both fell asleep. I don't know at what time exactly, but something woke me up. I didn't have a cell phone and my watch at the time was really cheap, so I wasn't able to tell what time it was. Looking down, I realized that my girlfriend had stolen the cover, so I slowly tried to steal some back. As I was debating on closing the window that was located right above our heads, I heard a long wail. It was a long, distorted wail. I could hear the old raspiness in her voice, as if she had been yelling for such a long time that her throat was getting ready to give out. But what confused me was that her wail sounded as if it was being played through an old gramophone. I don't know if it was the scratchiness of her voice or what exactly, but it sounded like an old creepy record playing over and over. She was wailing her trademark, I mis hijos, or Oh My Children. That wail was what made her infamous, not just in the paranormal community, but with most people living in the rural parts of Mexico. My girlfriend started to stir and woke up. I don't remember if I woke her up on purpose, but either way, it was a dick move of me to do since she would also hear the wails. I was both excited and scared at the same time. A cold chill traveled down my spine that just reinforced my fear. The wails grew louder, making it seem like she was slowly heading toward us. Side note, there is a myth that if you hear the whales close, she's actually far away. But if you hear them far away, she might be somewhere near you. My girlfriend asked me with a half smile, what the hell was that? Thinking I had asked my aunts to scare us. I just motioned for her to be quiet and listen. Seeing my seriousness, she knew that something was wrong. Another loud wail passed by, echoing inside the house. My girlfriend started shaking, terrified of what could be outside our house. I had my left arm under her head and I could feel tears run down from her face to my arm. Each time the whale came, she would shake a little and at the same time, I would hold her close. The whales eventually came to a peak where it sounded as if she was outside our window. Doing the only brave thing I knew, I pulled the covers over us and tried to remain as still as we could. The whales eventually faded out and just as we thought that she had gone, we heard two wild dogs viciously fighting and slamming against our outside door. My girlfriend had grown attached to this stray dog that used to walk around my grandma's farm. So while we were staying there, he would always sleep on the outside door to wait for us and greet us whenever we would come out. The dogs, or at least what we thought were dogs, fought for a good minute slamming again and again against the door, snarling and barking at one another. Then, as suddenly as the fight had started, it stopped. We attempted to stay up for a while longer to see if we heard anything else, but eventually sleep took us over. The following morning, we talked about what had happened. We walked outside to meet our stray dog, but he was gone. All that was left was stirred up dirt from the fight that had happened the night before. We never saw that dog again the rest of the trip, despite the fact that he would always come around. But we just told ourselves that maybe he found a place with better owners who could feed him better. This all happened in 2008, and still to this day, whenever I pick up my daughter, I'll ask my ex about what happened in Mexico, but she doesn't like talking about it. I haven't been to Mexico ever since. Did Lyorona turn into a dog and fight the stray dog that was there? Or was it actually Lyorona biting the dog? Or was I, it just random two dogs? I don't understand. I don't either. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of wonder if maybe the two dogs, there really were two dogs that got in a fight. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of a weird coincidence. Yeah. But still. I wonder if, like, 
La Llorona came too close and the dog was protecting them. Oh. And then he ended up getting dragged back into the water or something. And that's why they didn't see him again. I hate when animals get hurt in these stories. Me they too. make me sad. It's the worst part. Like, it take really the humans. Is. I don't care. But I know. Leave the, leave the animals. Drown the humans. Yeah, that was kind of a creepy one. I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Although, kind of their fault for being like, let's stay in this practically abandoned I know. house. Well, it's really weird, too. Like, my parents would never be like, yeah, go stay in that house that has no doors or light switches. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. <sighs> Strange. Maybe it's because it was in the countryside in Mexico. Yeah. But still, I wouldn't. I don't trust nobody. No, I'd rather sleep on the couch than not have, like, electricity. I'd rather, like, not sleep with my significant other than, you know, Uh sleep in an abandoned building. Yeah. Um, You know. It's kind of weird. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) So the next story. This, again, is with a guy and his girlfriend, which is interesting. Anyways, quote, one night two years ago, my girlfriend and I got into a pretty big fight. So I fell asleep on the couch that night. I woke up at 2.30 a.m. on the dot almost. I just got this weird feeling, and it was too quiet in the house, so I poked my head into our bedroom. My girlfriend was fast asleep, and our 10-month-old son was sound asleep in his crib. I figured, eh, what the hell, I'm over it, and I slowly climbed into bed and went to sleep. We lived in Arizona, and it had been kind of rainy and cool the last couple of days, and that to us was nice, so our bedroom window had been open. There was a nice, slow breeze coming in, and it was very relaxing. All of a sudden, I'm awoken by my son. He was crying very loudly, and he was standing up in his crib, which is very unusual for him. Unlike most babies, he's slept through the night since he was born. He'll make little noises and roll around a little, but usually he'll find his pacifier and doze back off to sleep. Anyways, I opened my eyes to see my girlfriend has already gotten to him, picked him up, and all of a sudden, he stops crying. I checked the time, and it was around 3 a.m. I'm like, eh, maybe it's just one of those nights. So she brings him over and puts him between us. He rolls, making noises, but doesn't want to go back to sleep, so she makes him a bottle. While he's eating, I doze back off to sleep. Now I'm dreaming, but I'm still in bed in the same position. It's dark, and everything's quiet, except I can hear someone. Someone crying, weeping, and moaning, like a woman grieving somebody. It's a long, drawn-out cry, and it's eerie, like the breeze coming in through the window. All of a sudden, I jolt awake, my eyes open wide with sweat dripping down my forehead. I could still hear the cry, but this time I knew I was awake, so I knew it was real. I spun around fast, and that's when I saw her. She was tall, dressed in all black, like she had just come from a funeral. Her face, distressed, like she had been mourning for eternity. The wind coming through the window behind her was strong, and the curtain was blowing like a flag. I see her as she reaches for my son, who was lying asleep between me and my girlfriend. So I did what any father would do. I grabbed the blanket with my left hand and came down with my arm over my son. With the blanket covering both of us, I held onto him tight. All of a sudden, a sheer scream rings out from what I assume to be the woman, and a gust of wind hits the windows hard. Boom. And then quiet. Nothing but my girlfriend snoring and my son breathing and my very heavy breathing. And a slight little breeze that rattled the blinds on the window. So, I lied awake for a little while and eventually fell back asleep, still clutching my son. I woke up in the morning and asked my girlfriend if she had heard anything last night. She said, yeah, I thought I heard someone crying, but it sounded like it was coming from outside. At that point, I knew it was real. Now, I'm a big guy, burly with a beard, but I'm not afraid of much, and I was a tough kid growing up. But when I was a kid, I was afraid of one thing. After I went to a friend's house and his uncle told us the story of La Llorona from Mexican folklore, I always believed it was real. I never wanted to stay outside after dark, and I never slept with my window open. 
Of course, I never told anyone because, like I said, I was tough. But she's real. I'll be keeping a closer eye on my son from now on. End quote. I think that one might be the creepiest to me. Yeah? Yeah. I think so, too. Because I feel like that's one of the few ones where, like, they actually come in contact with her. Like, she's yeah. there. Well, but, again, it, she's in black here. Yeah. Which is so interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's the difference between in the Mesoamerican cultures that used to be in, or that some still exist, but that used to be in the area before the Spanish conquered. Yeah. I think they would wear white when someone died. Oh, and that interesting. later the Mexican culture adopted black after yeah. the Europeans when someone that's died. Catholic. Yeah. So I also wonder if it's a matter of like pre-Catholic versus post-Catholic. Yeah. That makes and sense, actually. I also definitely think, I don't know, it's confusing to me. It's like, I want to say it's like the same figure that's seen in different places, but at the same time, that doesn't. I mean, the just, idea of a ghost in general isn't exactly, like, yeah. feasible, but thinking that there's, like, multiple La Llorona's or just one that, like, just pops up in different areas, I don't know. It's very... What do you think? you think there's different ones, or... I know you don't believe in ghosts, really, um, but... Okay, so I have two theories. The first could be that maybe there is just one, mm-hmm. and so she kind of shows up in whatever way will be the most suggestive to the person that sees her yeah so if they're more likely to recognize black as like funeral clothing yeah that's what she's gonna show up in yeah if, if white will spook them she's gonna wear white yeah the other idea is kind of similar to that and i wonder if maybe like there never really was a la Llorona, right mm-hmm. like there is no person who she was right there's no woman who killed her children in the river and then jumped in after them that never yeah. happened and yet the story sort of became popular and there's this whole myth right i can't remember what it's called but it's i think it's kind of like a like a thought form yeah you know where basically if um you know people talk about something enough within their culture it becomes real yeah like you can kind of think something into existence religion and stuff like Uh uh-huh it's really interesting how the idea of like the old abrahamic god is nowhere Uh near the modern day jesus or, or god but because people have thought about it for so long, there probably is a manifestation uh-huh. of the Christian God that most people believe in today, which is frightening to me. But <laughs> I mean, also frightening the old version because he was also like doom, gloom, death, uh, and killing, I feel like but... all of the, the religions in the Mesopotamia area, they're all kind of doom and gloom. And the like Abrahamic one is the least that way, which is really I, concerning. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it really says a lot about how those people lived. One of the goddesses that are, like, one of my main goddesses, Inanna, who's also known as Ishtar, Astarte, mm-hmm. Aphrodite, like, that oh, yeah. kind of, that's kind of how they describe her. It's, like, this thought form, this energy of, like, mm-hmm. divine feminine energy of of war and blood and lust and sex and all of this thing. That, yeah. All of these things that, throughout the ages, it shifts in what, who they think it is and oh. who it represents, but it's the same energy. It's the same, it's like, the same idea. Mindset, kind and of. And they think, yeah. like, for most religions and most entities, like, there's so many similarities in so many different it's religions and stuff that yeah. it's just, it constantly changing and, and adapting to different cultures, which yeah. is kind of what I believe. I believe there's some semblance of truth right. to everything. I definitely but. always see, like, um, how the religions sort of, like, play on each other. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes really hard to figure out where, like, which one did it first and stuff like that. Especially the ones that sort of developed around the same time. That's why I don't even think it's worth 
playing the game of who came first because yeah. it doesn't essentially matter. No. Especially if you believe in thought form things because, yeah. like, regardless of who came first, the entities that you worship or that you devote time to or whatever will exist in the reality that you live in. So it's right. like, whatever. There's also the whole, this is like totally like a separate from religion, but still like kind of in the idea of like a thought form mm-hmm. where people claim to have seen Slender Man. Mm-hmm. But Slender Man is like a creepypasta. He's yeah. like a, a story made up on the internet. He's not like an actual folklore, piece yeah. of folklore, right? He's, he's something completely made up you know, in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. But people really do have claims of, like, I, w- I saw Slender Man. Yeah. And so some people say, I don't I don't really know how reliable those claims are. But, yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of that, that type of thing, right? Is that maybe this legend just got so intense and so, you know, believed by so many people mm-hmm. that she kind of manifests from that energy. Yeah. I mean, like, psychologically, it makes sense yeah. as well, because the more you focus on something, the more likely you are to see connections to it. Right, Have right. it manifest in your life. Yeah. So, it's, like, the more aware you are of something. Mm-hmm. I totally believe in that. And I think that's what's almost scary, because if you give thought to an entity and talk about things, it essentially gives it power. Yeah. And that's why in a lot of old, in Abrahamic and in Jewish and in Celtic and things like that, if you know the name of something, you have power over oh, it. Oh, yeah. You know, like, or you, if, you, you if have something to know, knows like, your name, it has power over you. In exorcisms, they have yeah. to know the name of the demon yeah. to get rid of the demon. So that's it's just, like the it's last very interesting step. how to think is to be. And I also think that's terrifying because... It kind of is, yeah. It's like, stop thinking about it, and then right. you can't stop thinking about it. You know, it's also from, like, me where I have, like, more of a skeptical point of view. It's also just the fact that, like, if you do believe something so much, your mind is going to do things that convince you it's real, mm-hmm. right? Which literally you could start hearing yeah. a lady screaming. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things your mind can kind of, quote-unquote, play tricks on you. Mm-hmm. Your neural pathways will yeah. literally change to fit around Adopt what you that. think. Yeah, yeah. Which is also creepy. So the human weird. mind is amazing, but also terrifying. Really weird. I, and yeah. <laughs> Please don't do weird things, brain. I'm talking to you. Talking about psychic, or psychics. Talking <laughs> about physics. Psychics are a little bit different. Physics. It's just really interesting how. <laughs> Very different fields. There's the idea of as soon as you think something, it like brings it into reality and it starts interacting in the world or whatever. Yeah. And it's like that way with. Like, an apple falls from the tree, and then you learn about gravity, and then from then on, gravity is a part of our world. It's yes. like, was it there before? Or Because <laughs> it, it was there before, but, but the was thought it there? wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, the thought really wasn't. The, we didn't I, think the about why. The conception of it wasn't there. Yeah. So, it's like, does it change? It's that kind of thing. It's very confusing to me, but I also love it. <laughs> yeah. I do, too. <sighs> so, Alrighty. the inescapability of La Llorona yep. and her haunting cries is something that is kind of constant in all these varied stories and offshoots of this legend. And as we've discussed, there's so many different versions. We don't really know what the true one is. No. You know, but there are quite similar tales with pretty similar time frames, appearances, actions, but we won't really know for sure. So is it real? Is it not real? Do we make it real? We will never know. <laughs> And that's why it's Wicked, Weird, and And Grim. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to us. This episode was definitely a bit of a tongue twister. (laughs) I had us jumping all over all types of Machica Aztecan names and (laughs) Spanish and... Buen trabajo, Caroline. Buen trabajo. (laughs) Good job. Yeah. I tried. I did try. No, Uh, you you succeeded. I did. 
Yeah. Alrighty. So you can find us on most social media platforms on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Wicked Weird and Grim. On Twitter, we're just at Wicked Weird Grim. You can also sponsor us on Patreon or sponsor us on Anchor if you would like. We also have voice messages open on Anchor if you guys want to leave a voice message about our recent episode or if you want to suggest an episode or anything like that. And then... Please give us a five-star review on iTunes. We would love to hear from you that way. We would love to see your lovely review and see those lovely five stars. It would help us out so much and hopefully make us feel a little better about what we're doing. Yeah. We just (laughs) risked our lives talking about this today. So um, (laughs) give us five stars for it. (laughs) We like accidentally have manifested into our lives. We have sleepless nights from now on. (laughs) thank you again for listening we had a really great time recording this and happy hispanic heritage month yes and we hope that you guys will tune in next week for our next wicked weird wednesday with the grim sisters we'll see you then bye Bye. the wave still waved (laughs) last week i didn't wave but you didn't i didn't or maybe it was the week before there was one week where i said i didn't wave this time (laughs) i think that was i don't remember (sighs) There is no light, there's only chaos. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Caroline's <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know, Ara. <laughs> I always say, like, I express myself so much better over a text message than in person. <laughs> Here we are doing a podcast. <laughs> a hindrance for, you know, fork. Uh, fork yeah, for forks. <laughs> for forks. It's like in Beauty and the Beast, there's literally actors who have to play forks. And you're like, I'm a fork. <laughs> the um, ending credits are rolling. It's like, fork, fork one, fork seven. <laughs> when we did it, the um, the <laughs> fork costumes kept breaking. The fork and knife costumes kept breaking. Because basically you were in this like gold suit. And then you had this like pouch in your back. Yeah. The back of your shirt where you stuck this big like cardboard, but it was like painted and decorated <laughs> to look like a fork thing, but they kept breaking. All right. <laughs> and so our costumers kept having to fix them and it was like actually nightmare. <laughs> Just like, what the fork? <laughs> yeah. They did a good job though. And the forks and the knives survived. I was a whisk and I, you were an important whisk. I really enjoyed being a whisk. I need to see a picture of this. I don't think I have a picture of the whisk. No. I know. We needed to post it to Instagram. But I don't think there is. Here's Caroline as a whisk. I don't know where to find pictures of this show, but... Well, you will find one one day. I'm yeah. post it to the Instagram. Yeah. Like, no contacts, just you as a whisk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't dance over here. You said we. I can dance. <laughs> I meant over here, like over where I'm sitting, not in your house. Okay. okay. Yeah. I was about to say. I can't. I cannot dance. I'm a terrible dancer. That drawback. Draw blah blah blah. Drawback. Drawback. Got into my southern accent. Drawback. She got her drawl for the drawback. (laughs) Oh, I really was impressed by what I wrote this. Okay, sorry. (laughs) 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 Only tuning my own horn. But today we'll peel back the veil of La Llorona. So sit back, sit back, sit back, sit back, sit back, sit back. This is going to be a bad episode to edit. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like 30 minutes We weren't even talking about her yet. And then we got off on forks. Oh my gosh. Okay. What the fork? <laughs> Hinges on the name. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. I almost did it. No. Okay. <laughs> she is often depicted. 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 Why am I like this? More. Na, na, na. Oh, I used actually <laughs> too much. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Why do we like this? <laughs> In the same vein, like, uh, why is my voice doing this? Mine's <laughs> doing too. I just have this tickle, like. It's like she doesn't want us to talk about her. I feel like people know how to say the Tilda, though. I remember one time I was like, I was reading something. Some guy looked over my shoulder. I was reading like a Spanish bulletin. And he was like, what's the squiggly thing mean? <laughs> and I was like, it's a Tilda and it makes a yeah sound. And he was like, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I was like, okay. Whenever I <laughs> whenever I um, hear words that have that yeah, I always think of Lord Voldemort screaming because he's always like <laughs> it also reminds I me i never made that connection but now i always will <laughs> there's just a giant spike in the sound just like <laughs> it also reminds me i know it's not the right actual like lyrics but in um the lion king you know the very But remember, no one believes we're good singers. Because I promise I am. She can sing. <laughs> she really can. One day, we're going to talk about something that happened in Paris. I don't care what it is, but whenever we do, whenever we get to Paris. The Phantom of the Opera is there. Inside your I wasn't podcast. prepared to actually do that. It didn't come out very good. Yeah, neither was I. It's all good. Oh, well. We'll wait for the Paris episode. We'll sing for real. <laughs> we just have to find something about Paris yeah. to do. The catacombs, something. Yeah. Whatever. It'll happen. <laughs> the tale of La Yorna is startlingly... You said Yorna. <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! I feel like everyone just assumes that we probably sit down and we record our podcast and then, then we, like, are stupid. Yeah. But... It's not true. What makes me We're really happy is all that the time, guys. our friends, they know. Yeah. Well, they know. Like, the no, reality is that we're know. always stupid. Yep. It's always here, guys. Just waiting to come out. Every other paragraph. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <clears throat> you got through it. Now my voice hurts. <clears throat> I swear we're being cursed. We are. Did you read that part where <laughs> Jesus was like, don't, like, you know, be kind and Don't be kind. And, <laughs> can you not do that, sir? Can you please go somewhere else with your leaf blower? Let me, um... He has a mullet. Yeah. <laughs> he has... I just can't get over his mullet. That's... I just really can't. His mullet's gonna make it into the podcast. <laughs> La... Le... Why? Okay. To la yo- Oh my- Okay. For which ma- You already read that part. Just read to la la- But it's a big old I have to redo mine now. I'm sorry. Okay. No, you're right. Haha, I knew more Spanish than you. Yeah. Well, this is actually not Spanish. It's Aztecan. No, it's Nahuatl, but okay. It's Aztecan. Aztecan. It's like the local Spanish restaurant that's like Azteca. Like, uh-huh. Restaurante Azteca. And then like the whole, every single person who works in there is a white person. Yeah. Who's never <laughs> been any 
anywhere that's be any two they've never been to mexico and, like they've you never try to anywhere. order like a fajita and they're like no ma'am it's a fajita <laughs> <laughs> i love fajita. fajitas fajitas are my life okay <laughs> 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 okay 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 um, yeah there you go that gives me um Colazziacal vibes from. I feel like that's what we're trying to say. So much of this, <laughs> like the first like, one is Colazziacal. Yeah, it's like Siwa Coatl, but it's like Colazziacal. Uh, it's literally yeah. almost the same word. Uh, it really is. <laughs> Just like mixed up. <sighs> it all ties uh, back together, y'all. <laughs> came over from the land bridge. Yeah, from Russia. The Bering land bridge. So yeah. hey. It's actually, uh, little do you know, related the dead mountain. Kind of, but not really. The, the dead mountain is related to the goddess of motherhood and fertility. <laughs> Why not? Leona. Why? <laughs> Why do I want to say that? I don't know. You know, you'd really think that it would be easy to say La Llorona in a year where all we ever talk about is the corona. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing, just different letter at the beginning. <laughs> it's the same thing, just different <laughs> shapes. <laughs> Did you hear that when it was all over TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry I'm struggling so much. This is terrible. It's I fine. I blame myself. I have written a horrific <laughs> script full of huge words and very hard to pronounce words from other cultures, so. It's all your fault, Ara. <sighs> Pretty usual, you know. <laughs> what should be our smartest sounding episode will not sound smart because all we can do is laugh. Yep. And we are stupid. I de mi llorona, llorona le sur celeste. Ay, de mi llorona, llorona de azul celestes. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> you it's sounded like, very beautiful, though. You just totally get into it. Yes. <laughs> la siwa, la, la siwa, si, oh my gosh. Leenda da, or wait. Minutes later and took their con- Clam! <laughs> Sorry. I didn't proofread this. It's okay. Oh my gosh, my foot's asleep. Would it be an episode if my foot didn't fall asleep? No. I literally can't feel it. It's like... (laughs) I don't know why you continue to sit on it. (laughs) The police... You wouldn't have this problem if you sat on the couch. I know. (laughs) (sighs) La Urana. La Urana. La Urana. What in the world? La La Uranus. My battery died. Okay. I did not hear what happened. I was like, are you okay, ma'am? No. Okay, while you're pulling that up, I'm going to pee again. Yeah. And then I'm going to turn on more lights because I'm a little scared now. Oh, no. Ay, de mi llorona. Here we go. Llorona de azul celeste. Ay, de mi Now let me just get to this part of it. Llorona. Okay. 
<laughs> She's sing- singing La Llorona again. It has to be sung. It's our yes. song for this episode. We have a song every episode, and this is the first time the song actually has anything to do with what we're talking about. Honestly, that's me with, like, any type of thing that comes mm-hmm. towards me and tries to I'm eat I'm just me. like, no, get away, get away, get away. I'm like, I guess this is the end. This is it. This is the end. This is my death. And it's, like, this big. <laughs> it's, like, the size of your foot. Mm-hmm. I'm a very dramatic person. I'm a freezer, so. Yep. Same. Not like a freezer, like a like someone who freezes, not like a appliance. <laughs> the confusion does make sense. You know, I just thought of like Kylo Ren refrigerator and me. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. It's like the Minecraft dudes where they're completely square, but yes, it's Adam everything Driver. is a square. <sighs> here we mention Adam Driver. There we go. Woohoo! We didn't mention him more. We do. We should just really be mentioned. Just do an episode on Adam Driver. Yeah. He's the, the world's cryptid. <laughs> A centaur. 